Hey, Northeast Pennsylvania, it's Rob O'Donnell here on WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910, 980, 1300 AM, or anywhere in the country on the Odyssey app. You can also catch us anywhere you get your favorite podcast. Just search The Rob O'Donnell Show. It is uh, 3.08 here in the station in Pittston, 77 degrees and sunny outside. The Rob O'Donnell Show is brought to you by Road Scholar Transport. You have unique shipping needs, and Road Scholar has unique shipping solutions. Dry van, temperature controlled, and high security are just a few. Visit roadscholar.com. Well, how's everybody doing on this Thursday, October 5th, 2023? I'm happy to bring in members of one of our premier law enforcement agencies in this state that not only looks out for your safety and protection, but that of our natural resources here in Pennsylvania, the Pennsylvania Game Commission. I have uh, Pennsylvania Game Warden Dylan Groover. And I have Pennsylvania Game Warden Cadet Brian Semko here in the studio. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thank you. Good afternoon, Rob. My pleasure. So uh, it's season's underway, right? This past Saturday, That's archery correct. season started. Uh, let's start. Tell us a little bit about Pennsylvania Game Commission. Yes, the Pennsylvania Game Commission started 1895. We're tasked with managing all of Pennsylvania's wild birds, wild mammals. Um, the biggest uh, aspect that we get involved with is the law enforcement side of things, but we also get many calls on nuisance wildlife, sick and injured wildlife. Generally speaking, we're the first line uh, boots on the ground for any, any callers in Pennsylvania that have a wildlife issue. And a great resource you guys are. A lot of people don't know that the Pennsylvania Game Commission is not funded by the state of Pennsylvania, Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. It's funded by the people who buy licenses. It's funded by the sportsmen, not only of Pennsylvania, but out-of-state residents that, that purchase licenses and uh, permits to, to shoot at our ranges, to use our game lands, to hunt in our, our game lands, to hunt on property here in, in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. So, uh, you know, just to throw that out there so people know. And it's one of the only agencies, if not the only agency in Pennsylvania that operates mostly in the black. So, uh, you know, applaud the Pennsylvania Game Commission for their stewardship of the sportsmen's dollars and the resources of Pennsylvania. So uh, going to put uh, Cadet Brian Semko, who's doing his field training now. How's the how's the uh, academy going? Oh, it's going great. It's going quick. And you said, how, how long is the Pennsylvania Game Commission Academy? It's 44 weeks long. 44 weeks. And yes, you're sir. there. You live there five days a week, Monday through Friday. Yep. We leave Friday evening, and then we got to be back at uh, 9 o'clock on Sunday. And now you're out here, boots on the ground during the, the beginning of archery season. This would be your first hunting season out in the field, right? Yes, sir. How do you like it so far? Oh, I love it. It's great to be out of the classroom, get out there and meet the people, and do the job that you were trained to do. Sure. And you're originally from Pennsylvania? Yes, what, I'm what, down what from uh, Northumberland County. Okay. And now, what, what are you covering now as far as field, field training? Um, I'm going to be in Monroe County for four weeks, and then I go up to Susquehanna County for three weeks, and in Lycoming County for another three weeks. All right. All right. I, I wish you the best of luck. It's a, I've worked closely with the Game Commission since being here for 20 years, and it's an outstanding organization, outstanding officers. I I'm, I'm, have no doubt you're being mentored properly. I have oh, no yes. doubt you're being trained to the best of the standards. Thank you, sir. Um, as far as this year, the hunting re- season is just getting underway. Arc, like I said, archery has started. There's been a couple youth seasons. Um, what changes from last year to this year can you bring up that people might not be aware of? You know, they think, hey, I'm an avid hunter. I hunt every year. I know what's going on. But they changed year to year some of the policies, some of the bag limits, some of the procedures. So what what has changed? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, One of the biggest changes here is a regulation for chronic wasting disease or CWD regulations. Uh, In the past, 
you if you harvested a deer in the disease management areas in Pennsylvania or out of state, you were prohibited from taking that either across the state borders or across our disease management borders. Uh, that has changed. We have allowed regulation with uh, some of the butchers, taxidermist processors to get certified to handle those chronic wasting disease parts. So those high-risk parts include most of the soft tissues in the head, spleen, liver, uh, lymph nodes. But the biggest thing that the hunters need to know in Pennsylvania is as long as they are immediately taking a deer carcass to an approved certified CWD processor, uh, they're good to go. They are now legally allowed to import into Pennsylvania. Now, if a hunter um, comes in contact, thinks that, thinks they, they got a deer that may be affected by chronic wasting, are, are they to contact you guys? Are they supposed to make a notification anywhere? What's the, pro what's the process with that now that it is it has kind of expanded? Yeah, so uh, calling to our 24-7-364, I believe we're not open on Christmas, um, but 833-742-4868 uh, to make a report of any potentially diseased animal, um, that'll get you straight to our dispatch. They'll be able to connect you with a warden or provide information for you. Um, on our website, we have a list of deer processing uh, bins where you can drop off the bin or the head into the bin to get tested for CWD. And it's, so the people out there that are listening um, that don't know what CW is, chronic wasting disease is, can you give a quick overview of what that is and you know when it was started in Pennsylvania? I know it's been a, it's been a bunch of years now. And, and it was uh, contained or thought to be contained, but they're wild animals. They do wild <laughs> animal stuff. But tell us a little bit about chronic wasting disease. Yeah, that's correct. It's a disease always fatal, um, mostly distributed from nose-to-nose -nose contact, saliva contact between deer. That's why we've been so uh, big on trying to limit the amount of feeding in Pennsylvania, especially in those disease management areas. Uh, it's been a, certainly a concern for the Game Commission managing our deer population. The whole herd right now is still pretty healthy, um, but we have seen some reductions in those disease management areas, and that's why we're actually implementing additional antlerless tags in those areas to kind of keep the population knocked down a little bit at bay, slow the spread, uh, but surely it is making its way uh, into our region here in the Northeast. What's uh, what's the closest county to here, Luzerne, Lackawanna County, that it's uh, been I think detected? Northumberland was the closest where we did actually have a confirmed case of uh, CWD in a wild deer, mm -hmm. which is noteworthy because typically a lot of those uh, stray cases where we're getting a positive is just in one of the high fence operation facilities. Um, and so when you see it actually in the wild population, that is noteworthy, um, certainly worth taking extra steps and cautions from our end to help mitigate the spread. And uh, no doubt that this unusually warm weather this week, 85 yeah. degrees, it's been is, is kind of hindering. You know, although I've seen some successful hunts out there, and you know, on social media, but this type of weather is not conducive to you know the, your start of archery season. It should pick up, but in no time, you know, these bucks are going to start rutting. They're going to start chasing these does. Uh, just the, just earlier this week, I warned drivers, you know, beware because they're going to start. Uh, darting out in front of everyone. When does that usually ramp up in the northeast of Pennsylvania, the rut season? 
Yeah, I'm I'm usually looking for like the beginning of November. Once all the leaves are off, you can kind of feel that cold morning air. Um, it, it's almost, you know, the deer can feel it. And I would say if you're in tune with nature, you can kind of feel when that change is occurring as well. Um, but you're right. It's just around the corner here. These 70, even I think into the 80 degree days, uh, throwing it off a little bit, but we'll be there shortly. So if you haven't already, make sure you get your license, get your gear together. Um, make sure you're all sighted and ready to go. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, common violations. What, 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 are, what are the things you can tell the listeners out there that, hey, you want to avoid this, and we'll send this over to uh, Game Warden Cadet Semco, <laughs> see how his knowledge is. But the common violations that people, hey, this is the things you don't want to do. We're looking for it. We know it happens. Just don't do these things because you don't need a citation. And we'll talk about the penalties in a minute. But what do you what do you find out? What can you tell people, hey, don't do these things? Well, right now, baiting is a big problem. Uh, the early season of archery season, we've been seeing a lot of that. Um, we got a couple cases on that. Um, that and another big thing, I believe, is um, the orange. What people don't, it seems to change sometimes once every year. So uh, the biggest thing is orange anymore right now. You just wear during the firearm season of a uh, rifle for deer and for bear. But archery season and turkey season, you don't need to wear orange anymore. So that used to be a pretty big violation. People got confused in the books with it. So it's pretty explanatory. And on page 8 in the digest, it explains it pretty well. Yeah, I know our, the, the hunter orange has always been a, a, a morphing thing. You know, I, with the ground blinds, you had to put a strap around the tree. Is that still a thing now or where you have to put a strap on yes, strap? around the tree or the ground blind yes see that wasn't when i first started but now i know that came in a couple of years ago probably 10 years ago 15 years ago but yeah it's something you need to be aware it gets of confusing it yeah. does now as far as baiting you bring baiting up give some examples because a lot of people say think oh well this isn't baiting i'm just doing this but yeah you're baiting yeah anything like uh we see a lot of the rage attractants like acorn and apple attractants and it's just a it's a powder and they and we've seen people putting that down before they're going out to hunt spreading corn we've seen peanuts uh, there's a bunch of apples. Uh, you throw any of that down in front of your stand, that's considered bait. And you have to have that out two weeks prior to the season um, to make sure that, you know, yeah. the area is cleaned up and it's a fair hunt. Yeah, so even if you have apple trees on your property, if there's a pile of apples near your stand within shooting range, you know, is that baiting? I mean, if you put them there, that is considered baiting, yeah. yes. You know, a pumpkin, mean, I, a big thing I've seen in the past is decorative pumpkins. You know, once they're done, people hey, take them, well, I'm going to put this and smash it in, in the woods there. <laughs> yeah. It's baiting. Yes. And a lot of people think, well, it's no, I'm just throwing it out. You're throwing it out 20, 30 yards from, 25 your, yards from, from your, your stand. stand. Yeah. So those are those are the typical. What else are we finding uh, besides baiting and orange? Is there anything else out there? Is there, how, how's, how's the road hunting? I know there's been a lot of stings on that. I know every once in a while we see the story in the paper. I mean, it's archery, so that's usually a rifle season type thing, but... You know, in, in 20 years I've been here, seeing somebody pull off the side of the road, pull a bow out of their trunk, and, like, try to take a shot from the side of the road isn't unheard of. Absolutely, but. it happens, yeah. And, I mean, oftentimes we're rolling down a dirt road kind of in the, the backwoods, see another car coming at us. We'll maybe flag them down, it's quick talk, you know. Most hunters are going to be pretty receptive to that. They want to see what we've been seeing, kind of maybe even get some insights from the game warden. Um, but oftentimes you'll do that, and you'll see – uh, you know, an archery or like a crossbow sitting on the passenger seat. They might have an arrow right next to them. Uh, you kind of know what's going on. They're probably out looking. Would they take a shot? It depends on the, the person. An ethical hunter, absolutely not. But um, road hunting still is certainly uh, 
you know, spotlighting at night with a weapon next to them. So those types of things are the things you look for. Yeah. Uh, I think of things every hunter knows. You know, if I'm sitting in my yard in rural America, if I'm sitting in rural Pennsylvania and I'm sitting on my deck or something and someone's coming down, you see that spotlight hitting the woods. You know what they're doing, but it might be legal. They might just be spotlighting. But, you know, you, like you said, the evidence brings you to like, hey, how are you doing today? What are you doing? Oh, there's an arrow. There's a pistol. There's a rifle. There's this. Okay, well, now we're going to have a little more talk. Um, and no one... Just in my experience in 20 years here in Pennsylvania, no one likes someone like that. No one likes someone who's ruining it for the good hunters than other good hunters. You know, they see this going on and it angers them just as much. I've seen out in the field in the game lands and parking lots out in the field. No, you somebody with an automatic rifle. You know, you can't hunt with that. What, what are you doing? And they're the first to call it out. So it's good to see that with the you know good sportsmen that are looking to retain that ecosystem in Pennsylvania and that 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 safety out there because that's the primary reason you guys are out there the safety of other hunters the safety for the hunter themselves even if they're trying to do something wrong it's based on their safety and uh, you know the management of our wildlife absolutely yeah you hit the nail on the head the the reason we have laws is to maintain uh the ability to hunt for current and future generations and also there's laws regulated um, regulating the health and safety of the hunters themselves so as far as baiting goes i just want to make sure we're all on the same page um, that's really one of those instances where you got to play fair because everyone else or you would hope everyone else is also playing by the rules. So I want to make sure the hunters understand that 30 days prior to them taking the stand and hunting in a certain location, any, any traces or any evidence of any food has to be removed. Um, what I run into is guys will say, oh, well, it's been 30 days since I put the food out but there's still a big corn pile sitting in front of their tree stand, and it's just not acceptable. So it's either move your stand or get rid of whatever remnants are there Correct. of, yep. the, of the food. Uh, we're talking to Pennsylvania Game Commission, Pennsylvania Game Warden Dylan Groover, and Brian Semko, Pennsylvania Game Warden Cadet here with the Rob O'Donnell Show. Now, I got a text message, in, and I know the answer to this, but I'm going <laughs> to let, let, let's, let uh, uh, Cadet Sim- Semko... Uh, Game Warden Cadet Simcoe answered this, but as a resident, as a responsible gun owner, but not a hunter, is there a way I can access ranges without getting a hunting license, which seems cumbersome? I'm fine with any fee required. Is there, a, you know, a way to, a form to access that or something to do? So Yeah, you can get a range permit for the year, and it starts from the day you buy it, and then it'll go out for a year from that period. And they can do that right online? Yes. Just go to the website where you would buy a license, and there's just a, a click down for access to the range. For the permit, yeah. Do you know what that costs offhand? Or? It's uh, right around 30 bucks for the state game land shooting range permit. For the year? Correct. And, uh... Got another text message in before we go to break. Spotlighting is okay as long as you don't have a gun? Question mark. Yeah, so there's a lot of regulations governing <laughs> spotlighting. Um, one of them is an implement of take, so archery or firearms like a gun uh, cannot be in the vehicle. Uh, you can't spotlight after 11 p.m., can't spotlight during the regular firearms deer season, can't spotlight livestock or startling livestock. Um, so best bet is anytime you're into people's at, homes, I believe that's correct. Uh, yep. Know, any residential dwelling. Absolutely. So um, biggest thing is anytime you're looking at trying something new, like if you're interested in getting into spotlighting, just make sure you refresh up on the regulations prior to going out. And it is hunting season. So you will see the Pennsylvania Game Commission out there. They are very receptive to saying hi, asking them how they're doing it. If you have a question, just ask them, hey, I was thinking about doing this. Can I do it? They will tell you right away. They're not hiding the laws from you. You can look them up yourselves, but they're more than willing to give you the answers and the guidance that you need to be safe in Pennsylvania while you're dealing with our game. 
It's uh, 323 here at WILK News Radio. We'll be back with the Pennsylvania Game Commission on the Rob O'Donnell Show in just a minute. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show here on WILK News Radio. It's 327, 78 degrees and sunny here in the studio in Pittston. We're here with the Pennsylvania Game Commission, Game Warden Dylan Grover, Grover. Pennsylvania Game Warden, and Brian Semko, Pennsylvania Game Warden Cadet. Got some text messages while we were on break, and it says, uh, just a quick question. Can you use salt blocks all year round? I would imagine that's salt or mineral blocks. So, Yeah, you can't, you can't use that all year round during hunting season. Anything that's natural, artificial um, bait or enticement to bring in game or wildlife um, is illegal during the hunting season. All right, so they got to remove the block. What about, you know, you remove the block, there's some residue there. Do they need to scratch it up? Do they need to dig a little bit? Do they make your best efforts? Make your best effort to get it all to, off To get the everything ground. off so you could see that there was at least an effort made. Yes, sir. Um, and we know it's archery season now. What, what else are we looking for coming up? Yeah, on the 14th, we'll start our archery bear, muzzleloader bear season. So that's pretty exciting. Usually a lot, uh, a lot of guys will wait till rifle season to truly bear hunt. Um, but if you get a tag, you're sitting in your stand for deer, bear walks by, it'd be a shame if you didn't have that tag. So sometimes it's a, an opportunistic hunt in our early season bear. Yeah, in my experience hunting in Pennsylvania, I've seen more bear within shooting range during <laughs> archery season when you couldn't take a bear yep. um, than I have during bear season. Uh, so that's, that's, a, that's a great advice there. Um, migratory bird. You, know, you get your license, you get your hunting license, you get your migratory bird stamp from Pennsylvania. You also need uh, your federal duck stamp, right? You have to make sure you have everything covered as far as your waterfowl. That's correct, yeah. So Pennsylvania to hunt waterfowl, you need your migratory game bird, which is available through the hunting license uh, vendors. However, you also have to go through the feds to get the, uh, the federal duck stamp. Um, so make sure that you have both the feds might be a little bit delayed with all of the purchases going on. Um, so they do allow a 45-day temporary e-duck stamp before you can um, actually use the true stamp. Uh, hunters have to make sure that it's signed on the face in a pen uh, to be valid. And that brings up a great point. Your hunting licenses also need to be signed. Make sure you have everything. And if you're ever in question, carry the paperwork, carry the receipts so you can give the game warden if you are ever questioned, if there's ever a doubt, you know, as much information as you can in the field so they can end it end it uh, right there. Um, recruitment for the Pennsylvania Game Commission. I mean, you guys are running slim in Pennsylvania right now. So what's what's how do you become a game warden in Pennsylvania? It's a, you apply through the civil service program for it. And um, you go down, you get interviewed. You first, you take a test, and then you pass the test. You go down, and you do a physical fitness test. And then from that, if you pass that, you move on to uh, oral uh, exam. Um, and from there, you go to a swim test. It takes approximately almost a year until you would know whether you get in or not. It's, a, it's very lengthy. Yeah, I got some questions here. And uh, using night vision all night, is it legal? Well, you can't really hunt anything at night. Oh, except for coyotes, I guess coyotes. Can you use night vision for coyotes? Yeah, I, the answer is depends on what you're hunting. Predator hunting, um, pretty much all hours of the day. There's some species that you can hunt, you know, at midnight on a Sunday. Uh, but big game animals are not one of those species. <laughs> so, um, again, just get into your digest. Look at the hunting regulations. Look at the season bag. Uh, limits. Make sure you're good to go for whatever your intended target is. And I was asked uh, to have you guys explain the special rifle deer season in October for disabled pe veterans, disabled people, veterans, and youth. So, how do we explain it? No. Uh, um, yeah, exp explain the special rifle deer season. We know that there is a special rifle season. 
deer season in October for disabled people, veterans, and youth. So Correct. Yes, that's, uh, I believe, just a three-day season there um, for the antlerless deer is the big thing. Uh, bucks are not eligible to be taken during that, uh, I believe, again, three-day special firearm season. And something before we go that I, that I just want to bring up is the Mentored Youth Program. That's something that was started, you know, probably 18 years ago, 17 years ago. My son was with me. It was the first year that they had that. He took a, a four-point buck, you know, his first year of the Mentored Youth Program. But give a quick synopsis of the Mentored Youth Hunting Program here in Pennsylvania because it's a great program. Yeah, it's been pretty successful. Um, and it's not just kids now. That's correct. Yeah, absolutely. It's open to any new hunters. Um, they, they can get that mentored permit, allows the take of big game animals, uh, including deer. There are certain species that are not eligible to be hunted on the mentor permit, but it's pretty comprehensive. Um, biggest thing is make sure that you have somebody that is lawfully licensed, does know what they're doing before you go out, just to act as a good guide for you. Um, but uh, it's been a very successful program for us, helping increasing hunter recruitment, retention, um, so it's it's been a good program for the Game Commission and really for all of Pennsylvania hunters. And I'm here with Pennsylvania Game Commission Game Warden Dylan Groover and Brian Semko, a cadet from the Pennsylvania Game Commission. Um, what's the website for the Pennsylvania Game Commission that people, if they can look up this information for themselves? Yep. pgc.pa.gov. All right. I appreciate you guys coming in. Have a great season. Have a safe season. And uh, we'll see you guys again soon. Thanks, sir. All right, thanks, it. sir. It's the Rob O'Donnell Show here on WILK News Radio. It's 332. We'll be back after the news with Paul Michaels. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It is 338 here in the station, 78 degrees and sunny outside. I appreciate the Pennsylvania Game Commission uh, for bringing its game wardens in to give you guys a little uh, heads up of what's going on, you know, what kind of infractions they find, what's. Uh, What's happening out there and what not to do. But uh, when, when I say that the Pennsylvania Game Commission is one of the premier law enforcement agencies in the state and the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, I mean it. They are a sharp bunch. They know what they're doing. They are well-funded. They are equipped. They are managed ex ex outstandingly. Um, I mean, a lot of people see, oh, they, you know, they're just game wardens. No, they're not. This is a premier law enforcement agency in Pennsylvania, statewide, do the right thing. They, they take the budget that they get from the sportsmen of Pennsylvania and, and just do the right thing with it. So if you see them, spend some time with them. Say hello to them. You know, talk to them. If you're a hunter, they are a wealth of information. They know where the animals are. They know what's going on. They're not keeping anything a secret. You know, and, and if you're open and honest with them, they're going to be open and honest with you. So uh, they've always been a great resource to me if I'm out in the field, especially in state game lands or public lands that you, you're you not familiar with. And they'll tell you what they've seen, and then I'll tell you they've seen it. So um, definitely uh, definitely touch base with them and thank them for what they do because they are definitely unsung heroes in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania uh, because a lot of times they're – their backup is coming from another county or three counties over. And you have to realize that every individual they deal with is armed with a deadly weapon. Every single contact they have was in an armed in individual. Thankfully, the, the sportsmen in Pennsylvania are respectful. The sportsmen of Pennsylvania, for the most part, are educated and, uh, you know, really uh, have nothing to hide when it comes to law enforcement. So, uh um, it was a good thing in there. And this won't be the last time that I have them in there. I, I have an open door for the Pennsylvania Game Commission if they have something they want to get out there to you, if they're seeing a, 
a rash of something and they just want to say, hey, you knock this off if you're doing this because we're going to catch you. Uh, and any law enforcement agency, my door is always open. Any volunteer fire department, any fire department, you want to bring something in, you want to bring a public awareness to your community, I'm here for you. That's uh, I spent a big portion of my life doing that, and we're going to do it here. A lot of text messages, uh, a lot of questions came in for them. I tried to get to as many as they can, but you know, the last one. You know, that was fantastic segment, Rob. So much information, and I don't even hunt. That's what I love to hear because maybe someone heard it out there and says, hey, you know what, I want to get into this, this mentored program. Let me look into that. You know, if you have your kid, there's this mentored youth program. Like I said, that was one of the most wonderful things that could they could have brought to Pennsylvania when I was raising my kids here. I took all three of my kids out. There's pictures on my social media of them from years, on my memories. I bring them back up. Like I said, in the first year, they had the mentored hunt youth program. You know, my son took his first buck, and if it wasn't for the mentored youth program, uh, he wouldn't have. So I, uh, I, uh, I really appreciate the fact that they're they're out there and and being such stewards of our natural resources here in Pennsylvania. And again, all the decisions that the game commission makes, and it's not the officers that make you know when hunting season and what's this. There's a whole process for that, but everything's data driven. They do it to maintain the best. You know, if there's antler restrictions, if it's bag limits, if it's how many doe permits are going to be for a certain area or, or wildlife management unit, and that's how the state is broken down into wildlife management units, and it's not just by county. There's multiple wildlife management units in a county. But everything's data-driven. Everything's for the benefit of Pennsylvania resources, the natural resources of game for our property, for damage to our property, for our car, the vehicle animal accidents on our roadways. Everything's taken into consideration, and, and it, it's really down to a science on how they do things. And traveling this country and hunting in a bunch of places that I've hunted across this country, Pennsylvania really does it right. And the resources we have here from our elk, we have some of the world-renowned elk, hunt, elk hunting here in Pennsylvania. It's limited because they're managing that resource. Resource. But I'm telling you, some of the elk that are taken in Pennsylvania challenge world records. You know, we have some of the world record bears, black bears here in Pennsylvania. The deer is outstanding. It's really a resource here that needs protection. And our Pennsylvania Game Commission and on the other side, our Fish and Boat Commission, you know, does the same thing as far as our, our waterways. So they are to be commended in what they do. It's, it's a lot of times an unsung uh, hero job, but they do it each and every day, and I appreciate them. And if you're interested in doing that, go to that Game Commission website and look into doing that. Um, it's something very worthwhile to do. It's uh, 342 here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show in just a minute. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It is 346 here at WILK, 78 degrees and sunny. Um, we're going to get to some local news now. Well, it looks like regional hospital employees have authorized a strike notice. Now, that's not going on strike. That's authorizing a strike. And, you know, when we saw that national health agency go on strike, it kind of gave us a heads up. But uh, workers represented by the union SEIU Healthcare Pennsylvania made, uh, made it clear Wednesday while emphasizing an agreement, not a strike remains their goal. The union uh, represents nearly 900 nurses, technologists, phlebotomists, physical and occupational therapists, cafeteria and maintenance workers, and other employees at the regional hospital campus. And again, hundreds of union employees, hundred of union employees at regional hospital in Scranton and its Moses Taylor Hospital campuses are willing to strike absent a fair contract. And they they voted. The members voted overwhelmingly Tuesday to authorize a strike notice if necessary, amid ongoing negotiations. Again, it doesn't say that the strike's going to happen. They're saying that they want an agreement, but they're saying they are now authorized to strike 
if they do. They say we are simply asking for a fair contract that ensures we can keep experienced caregivers at the bedside. We uh, voted to authorize a strike if necessary because ethically I cannot support the direction that CHS wants to take our community hospital. So um, it's going to be interesting there. What I did notice, though, is that uh, at their press conference yesterday, Scranton Mayor Paige Gebhardt-Cognetti joined the members of SEIU Healthcare PA Union outside of Regional Hospital in Scranton after the union announced their vote to authorize a strike Wednesday. And the mayor said that uh, we stand with you here in Scranton, she said. Union members will hold a candlelight vigil to save our community hospitals outside regional on October 19th at 6 p.m. I stand with the, the hospital workers 100%. I understand, you know, their hours, how they've been overworked, it's, it, how they're managed. It, there's a whole issue of things they need to talk about. So, uh, but the mayor coming out and inserting herself into a union. Now, we just saw this with Joe Biden with the auto workers union out in there. So, you know, I guess she's following suit. This is her own little local show stage. But why is a mayor of the city of Scranton getting involved in a strike here in the city? Is she going to take that stance when the public employees union of Scranton go on strike? Does she take that stance if the teachers go on strike? Is is she going to be the partisan person? Is she going to be the the leader of the city of Scranton and, and stay out of what this is here, a private industry? So if you're going to support unions, if you say, like in your, your statement here, her statement to the newspaper, we stand with you here in Scranton because of this union strike, the SEIU union strike, it's going to be interesting to see what her stance is when other unions that maybe she has power over as the city mayor decide to strike. Do you stay with all unions or just the ones you choose to stay with because they donate a lot of money and they're politically popular and get you on a stage to do it? It's going to be interesting because there's a lot of unions that can't legally strike. But if they do, is she going to have the same support simply because they're unions? You can't have it both ways. It's time for the Bloomberg Money Minute. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It is 346 here at WILK, 78 degrees and sunny. Um, We're going to get to some local news now. Well, it looks like regional hospital employees have authorized a strike notice. Now, that's not going on strike. That's authorizing a strike. And, you know, when we saw that national health agency go on strike, it kind of gave us a heads up. But uh, workers represented by the union SEIU Healthcare Pennsylvania made, uh, made it clear Wednesday while emphasizing an agreement, not a strike, remains their goal. The union uh, represents nearly 900 nurses, technologists, phlebotomists, physical and occupational therapists, cafeteria and maintenance workers, and other employees at the regional hospital campus. And again, hundreds of union employees, hundreds of union employees at regional hospital in Scranton and its Moses Taylor hospital campuses are willing to strike absent a fair contract. And they, they voted, the members voted overwhelmingly Tuesday to authorize a strike notice if necessary, amid ongoing negotiations. Again, it doesn't say that the strike's going to happen. They're saying that they want an agreement, but they're saying they are now authorized to strike if they do. 
They say, we are simply asking for a fair contract that ensures we can keep experienced caregivers at the bedside. We uh, voted to authorize a strike if necessary because ethically I cannot support the direction that CHS wants to take our community hospital. So um, it's going to be interesting there. What I did notice, though, is that uh, at their press conference yesterday, Scranton Mayor Paige Gebhardt-Cognetti joined the members of SEIU Healthcare PA Union outside of Regional Hospital in Scranton after the union announced their vote to authorize a strike Wednesday. And the mayor said that, uh, we stand with you here in Scranton, she said. Union members will hold a candlelight vigil to save our community hospitals outside regional on October 19th at 6 p.m. I stand with the, the hospital workers 100%. I understand, you know, their hours, how they've been overworked, it's, it, how they're managed. It, there's a whole issue of things they need to talk about. So, uh, but the mayor coming out and inserting herself into a union. Now, we just saw this with Joe Biden with the auto workers union. Out in there. So, you know, I guess she's following suit. This is her own little local show stage. But why is a mayor of the city of Scranton getting involved in a strike here in the city? Is she going to take that stance when the public employees union of Scranton go on strike? Does she take that stance if the teachers go on strike? Is is she going to be the partisan person? Is she going to be the the leader of the city of Scranton and, and stay out of what this is here, a private industry? So if you're going to support unions, if you say, like in your your statement here, her statement to the newspaper, we stand with you here in Scranton because of this union strike, the SEIU union strike, it's going to be interesting to see what her stance is when other unions that maybe she has power over as the city mayor decide to strike. Do you stay with all unions or just the ones you choose to stay with because they donate a lot of money and they're politically popular and get you on a stage to do it? It's going to be interesting because there's a lot of unions that can't legally strike. But if they do, is she going to have the same support simply because they're unions? You can't have it both ways. It's time for the Bloomberg Money Minute.